Cyrus was a factory maintenance technician. He was married to a, a beautiful woman. He had three beautiful little girls. By all accounts, Cyrus lived a completely normal life. But that life was turned upside down when he encountered a local pastor. That pastor changed he and his family's wife forever. Life forever. You see, through some careful teaching and instruction, uh, Cyrus and his family were led to convert from Islam to Christianity. I mean, just this incredible story. And from the moment that Cyrus was baptized at his kitchen sink by this local pastor, he started to carry out his mission as a Christ follower. He started to evangelize people, right? This is what the gospel does. It sets hearts on fire, and it can't hold in the very thing that it contains. And so Cyrus, he, he went one by one through the streets and eventually to his co-workers. And as you can imagine, living in an Islamic state, giving an evangelism presentation about Jesus kind of went over like a lead balloon. Instead of being made, or met with uh, grace and peace, it was met with anger and hostility. He was fired from his job. He was persecuted by his coworkers and eventually some local rebels, some local uh, radicals, probably is the better term for it, caught wind of his faith and practice and began to threaten him with death. Cyrus picked up his family and they relocated to Turkey seeking asylum. They settled into a new home, only to find out a couple months later that, that asylum wouldn't be granted and he was forced to go back to the place where he was persecuted and threatened with death. And from the moment that he stepped foot into his town, the radicals grabbed him and beat him to death and then sent his body to his wife and children. It was a message that said, sell out Jesus or the same thing will happen to you. Hazin was a, a 33-year-old woman. 33 years old, she had lived, I mean, quite a long life already. But at 33, she felt like her life was now only just beginning because through an underground church, she discovered Jesus. And she converted to Christianity and was baptized and continued to be discipled. Knowing the truth of God's word and knowing Christ, Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead brought Hazin so much joy, but that joy, it came at a great cost. It came as, at a cost of exile and persecution. She was ostracized from her family. Her friends pretended as if she never even existed. And when, and when people in her town found out about what she now believed, they persecuted her to a point where she fled to a neighboring city for safety. Now it wasn't just her faith that angered her family, but it was the running that, that set them on fire to a point where one of her uncles put a bounty on her head. That bounty resulted in her capture. She was dragged back to her hometown and hung in a public square as a message for the rest of the town to say, sell out this Christianity garbage or you'll suffer the same fate. Yaren was a middle 50s businessman. He had had a great career. He climbed the corporate ladder about as high as you possibly could. He had the money. He had the, the success. He had the power. He was second in command. But even though he had all of this, there was still this nagging emptiness that existed in his heart that he just couldn't fill. He knew that it had existed his whole life, but now that he was older, reaching closer to retirement, he, he decided to try to give back to fill that void through philanthropy, through being generous, through, through a life well lived. But at each turn, he found out that nothing would actually fill the void in his heart. Nothing until he discovered Jesus. 
or maybe more accurately, Jesus found him through a guy who was five years younger than I am now. This local pastor going from underground church to underground church, he went and he found Yaren. And he taught carefully from the word of God to Yaren about sin and grace and about the beauty of full and free forgiveness of sins that can only be found in a Savior as gracious as Jesus. Yaren was so excited about this newfound faith that he had that, like the others that we've talked about so far, he, he began to share that faith. And the first person he told was a coworker of his. And unfortunately, that coworker betrayed his trust and went and told the boss of his company, who also turned out to be Yaren's father. Yaren's father called him into the office and said, unless, unless you renounce this Jesus fellow and convert back to Islam, everything you know, everything you have will disappear. The career, the money, the house, the family, the friends. And I can make all of that happen at a snap of my fingers. But Yaren stood firm. He would not sell out Jesus, but rather sold out everything he knew. The wealth and the power and the success and the career. All because he knew Christ and him crucified. All because he knew the truth of God's word. History is filled with countless examples of, of stories like this. Countless saints who have stood firmly on the word of God, even in the face of some of the worst persecution that the world has ever seen. And I think it's pertinent that we as Christians today in a relatively peaceful society, though that may come to an end, in a relatively peaceful society, I think it's important that you and I consider if we are faced with a situation like that, would we stand firmly or would we sell out Jesus and his word? I think really to find the answer to that question and to give an honest answer, you have, to, you have to find out what your heart stands on. Because the reality is your heart has to stand on something. Your life has to stand on something. And even if you take the coward's way out and say, I, I really don't stand on or stand for anything, you know you are in fact saying you are standing for something, but that thing you're standing for or standing on really has no backbone. Every single person in this life needs to have something that they stand on, a solid footing on which they can rely, a thing that can be the guiding force and factor in their lives. And for us as Christians, for us as Christians, it's paramount that the thing upon which your hearts stand is the word of God and the word of God alone. However, standing on the word of God alone comes at a cost. Standing on the word of God alone requires you to sell out the world. And that's a lesson that that rich young ruler had to learn the hard way with Jesus. This whole lesson started when this rich young man, Mark calls him a young man, Luke calls him a ruler. This rich young man, he runs up to Jesus and he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when I've looked at that question before, I've always thought of it as a leading question. I mean, this guy a member of the Jewish ruling council, probably. He knew the answer to that. To me, this always seemed like he, he knew the answer. and was kind of looking for a pat on the back from Jesus. But I, I do think that there's a tinge of, of genuineness within that question. He wanted to know if he was actually on the right track to heaven, right? And Jesus responds to him with words that are no doubt familiar to a good Jewish man. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not defraud your neighbor. Do not, do not gossip. Honor your father and mother. 
And as Jesus goes through this list, you can sense the excitement of this man growing. It's like he's checking off a box with each commandment that Jesus gives, like he's, like he's somehow getting one step closer by each action that he takes. Teacher, all these I've kept since I was a boy. I'm good. I'm almost there. But life, life standing on the word of God is more than just about external obedience, isn't it? Because it's relatively easy to be externally obedient. It's relatively easy to have your life stand on the word of God and and not go out and murder somebody, not go out and take something that doesn't belong to you, not to go commit adultery, to honor your father and mother. These things are, are relatively easy for us to do. And in fact, sometimes they're, I would even say most of the time, these are things that are just downright convenient for us to do. Because even the world does them. Even though the world wouldn't call them the, the Ten Commandments or the law of God, written on every human being's heart is the natural law, which is why innately most people understand and know that killing somebody is wrong, that taking something that doesn't belong to you is wrong, that sleeping with somebody else's spouse is wrong. Most people know this and most people follow these laws because they want to live in a decent and orderly society. They want to live in a place with peace, not strife. And the way to do that is by following these laws, by being externally obedient. Now, Christians, we follow these laws for a little bit different reason, not just because they're convenient, but because it's right, because it's what God wants. And this is why the rich young ruler was following these commands, because he thought it was the right thing to do. It's what God wanted. Well, that and he thought that by following these laws, by living this externally obedient life, that he was getting one step closer to eternal life. But what Jesus has to show this rich young ruler is that a life following him is, is about more than just being externally obedient. Because this rich young ruler had a life, a physical life that stood on the word of God, but his heart, his heart stood on something entirely different. Right? Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Loved him with a love that only a savior could have for a lost sinner. One thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then come and follow me. And you remember what happens, right? The rich young ruler, he hangs his head in despair. And he goes away from Jesus sad because he had great wealth. You see, there was a problem with the rich young man's heart. He wanted to follow Jesus. I mean, that's the whole reason he came to Jesus in the first place. Why else? He wanted to follow Jesus, but following Jesus requires more than just a life, an external life that stands on the word of God. It requires a heart, a heart that stands on the word of God. But this rich young ruler, he had a heart that was divided. He had a heart that stood on wealth. And a heart that is divided is a distracted heart. And a distracted heart cannot follow Jesus to the degree that he requires. And just think of what would happen if this rich young ruler began to follow Jesus with a divided heart, with a heart that stood on something other than the word of God alone, in this case, his riches. What would have happened if that rich young ruler started following Jesus and he comes into a situation like Cyrus or Hazin or Yaron faced? Well, the moment that his wealth would have been threatened on account of following Jesus, he would have sold out Jesus and done everything to protect his wealth. This is what happens when you have a heart that stands on anything other than the word of God alone. A distracted heart 
has all these mixed up and backwards priorities. And when your priorities are backwards, you end up making bad choices. Right? When Jesus tells him to go and sell everything you have, he's not denouncing worldly wealth. I mean, these are, this is blessing from God. He's not denouncing possessions. What he's denouncing is the fact that this guy has such a divided heart that he can't possibly follow Jesus the way that he calls him to. And when he asks him to sell these possessions, he didn't think it was worth the cost. This is why Jesus says what he says. He says how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So impossible, in fact, that it's easier to, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And whether, whether Jesus here is talking about the needle gates, a gate in the city wall of Jerusalem that was big enough for only a person to fit in, or whether he's talking about an actual needle with a tiny sewing hole, the, the, the point Jesus is making is the same. Hyperbolically speaking, he's talking about how impossible it is or demonstrating how impossible it is for someone with a heart that stands on anything other than the word of God alone, how impossible it is for them to enter into the kingdom, how impossible it is for them to follow Jesus. This was the rich young man's problem, the rich young ruler's problem. He didn't think the eternal treasure that is promised when you stand on the word of God alone was worth the cost of losing the temporal wealth he had built up for himself. When I read through this account in Mark chapter 10, or it's also found in Luke, I, I'm often forced to, I force myself to stop and ask, am I, am I in danger of being in the same position as that rich young ruler? Because the reality is you can define riches in far more ways than just monetary wealth. You can define it relationally. You can define it career-wise. You can, you can define it in any way you want. But if push were to come to shove with me or with you, and you end up facing a situation like Yaren or Hazin or Cyrus, would we be willing to give it all up? Would we be willing to sell out everything that we've worked so hard in this life to build, our homes, our careers, our families, our friends, our money, would we be giving, willing to sell it all out in order to follow Jesus? Would we be willing to sell it all out in order for us to stand on the word of God alone? It's a difficult question to contemplate if you're not in that situation. Because the reality is, all of us right now, we would like to say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing to give it all up. I'm willing to throw it all away on account of following you, on account of being in your kingdom, on account of being your disciple. And I think there's truth in that. I think everybody here this morning would do it. But we also understand how our hearts and our lives work. That sometimes our hearts resemble that of the rich young man, a heart that is divided, a heart that sometimes has messed up priorities. And then what happens when you do have to make a tough choice? If you have a heart that is divided and you have to make a, the tough choice on whether to give everything up or to continue to stand on the word of God alone, would you hesitate? And if there's any sort of hesitation there, you see why this account and why Jesus says what he says to us is so important because what he is doing is calling to our attention everything that would seek to distract us, that would seek to give us a heart that is divided, a heart that stands on anything other than the word of God alone. So what is it that Jesus is asking you or calling you out to sell out or to sell off? What is it that is distracting you and keeping your heart from standing on the word of God alone? Is it family? Is it career? 
Is it money? Is it your health? Is it your outwardly obedient life that you use as a mask to cover up what's really going on in the inside? I, I can't answer that for you. That is something that is between you and God. But what I can tell you is, is why Jesus is so harsh on this rich young ruler and why he is so quick to call us out in this account. One word. Love. It's because he loves you. It's not the kind of love that you and I have for stuff that is fleeting. It's a love that's eternal, a love that has existed since before the foundations of the earth were laid, a love that caused Jesus to sell out the perfection of heaven and come into this sin-broken world because you were his number one priority, a love that caused him to go all the way to death for you. Jesus loves you so much that he, he calls out to you and he says, sell it out, get rid of it. And he does this because he knows how much you and I struggle, not just the struggle we have in our hearts to prioritize what is most important in our life, but, but hearts that struggle spiritually. He recognizes, and I think you do too, that you all bear hearts that have the title sinner saint, that you are a people who love to love and serve Jesus, who want to stand on nothing other than the word of God, but in that same heart exists a sinful man who would seek to choke out Jesus with visions of everything that this world has to offer you. All of the wealth and prosperity and security and peace that these things bring. And Satan says to you, it comes at no cost. Have it, enjoy it, don't worry about it. But Jesus knows what it costs him and what it costs you. If you stand on anything other than the word of God alone, it costs Jesus a brother and sister, and it costs you the treasure in heaven. So in love, Jesus calls out to you and says, sell out. Sell out everything that would keep you from standing on my word alone, because it's only in the word of God that you understand where your true treasure is. That your true treasure isn't about gold and silver and the things you amass for yourself in this life. Now, the word shows you that your true treasure isn't even something that's fully realized on this side of heaven during our 70 or 80 years that we might have the strength to live, that our true treasure is solidified in the crimson blood of Jesus, that our true treasure is in heaven, a life of bliss and perfection in paradise. Human words, they fail to, to fully comprehend and describe what that treasure is like. And so sometimes you wonder, because we can't fully grasp or know what eternal life, what eternal treasure actually looks like, we, we ask ourselves, is it really worth the cost? Is selling out everything that you know to stand on the word of God alone, ensuring that you have eternal treasure, is that worth the cost? If we could ask Yaren or Cyrus or Hazin, I bet you they said it would be. Because they understood a fundamental truth that we looked at in Psalm 90 this morning. Moses says, the days of our life are 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Lord, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Those three brothers and sisters in Christ, the countless saints who have gone before us, you and I, we understand, and I think innately understand, just by looking at our own bodies, that things in this life are fleeting, that they're not going to last but the one constant thing that we have in this life is Jesus and him crucified. And the way he reveals that to us is his word. 
and he uses his word upon which your heart stands to build in you, to instill in you this heart of wisdom, a wisdom that understands what your true treasure is and where your true treasure is, a wisdom that doesn't ask, is the cost worth it? It's a wisdom that says, I know. I know the cost is worth it. Now, standing on the word alone and having to sell out the world may seem like an impossible ask some days. Most days, maybe all of our days. And to a certain sense, in a certain way, you're right, because on our own, that is impossible. But you've got to remember that we don't stand alone in this world. We stand with a powerful God on our side. And as Jesus points out at the end of our gospel reading, with that God, all things are possible. Amen.